live and direct from the great borough of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. This is Beneath the Surface Podcast. Thank you for joining us. You have entered the realm of nation time strategic planning. We are the tacticians whose mission it is to do our our part in making our people thrive again. That's right. I am Miss Eve. This is Moray. And we're privileged to spark off an important discussion to that end. What's going on, Moray? How have you been doing in the midst of daylight savings time? Oh, <laughs> daylight savings time. It's good to be alive. And whenever <laughs> we have more light. Yes. You know, less people stay in darkness. Let's <laughs> oh, do it like that. <laughs> trying to do an analogy there. Right. I feel you. Well, I'm doing pretty well. Just getting used to, you know, a slight lack of sleep, but it's all good. Okay. So let's put on our gear and dive beneath the surface. What is today's topic, Moray? Oh, my goodness. So are we talking about men having more than one wife? Oh, oh, <laughs> we're talking grief. about multiple relationships. Mm. I said I was looking at our, I was doing my homework. I was looking at our stuff. I was like, oh. she want to talk about this. Huh? Have mercy well i look forward to it everybody stay tuned so to our listeners we have a confession to make there are a lot of questions about polygamy in fact you probably noticed that the name of this episode is officially called 20 questions about drum roll please polygamy no so <laughs> 20 questions, right? So right. this is the deal. Um, we're going to just keep it moving. We're going to do, you know, segments after segment after segment until we reach the 20. Right. If you want to hang out with us, uh, we're happy to have you. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also feel free to take breaks in between and get back to us. But mm -hmm. we're going to dive deep in this one, okay? You got that much about polygamy, huh? Uh, what? I just have some questions. This, some? This, 20 is not some. But this is the deal. Like, I think that I am not unlike most people right. who, for whom polygamy is a, a foreign concept. Do you got 20 questions about monogamy? And not just a foreign concept, but an offensive <laughs> concept. All right. It's like, what? So I think that uh, this is going to be a good one. So let's start it off with this one. Question okay. number one, Murray. Oh, okay. What is polygamy? So polygamy is the idea that two people can be in a relationship, focusing on a relationship, mm -hmm. and either one can have other partners. So that would be polygamy. However... <laughs> The man that I am, I believe in polygyny, mm -hmm. which is the idea that a man can be in a relationship with a woman and only he can have relationships with other women. And then there's also polyandry. Yeah. Where the woman is in a relationship with a man and she can she's the only one who can have relationships with other men. Okay. You know what? Oh, no. Continue. I can't leave monogamy out. And monogamy is just okay. the idea of mono, a relationship, a man and a woman. One or, man, one woman. Yeah. Yeah. That nature. Okay. Right? So. so you just mentioned some things that um, mm -hmm. I could follow up with some additional questions, but some of those uh -oh. questions come up later on in the episode. 20 plus questions so, about polygamy. Go ahead. I appreciate that you mentioned polyandry and polygyny all mm -hmm. being under the same uh category as polygamy okay right? so 
the fact that people are talking about this makes me wonder if people still think that monogamy, which to me is the norm, mm-hmm. uh, is natural. So that's question number two. Is monogamy unnatural? Well, I would say no, it's not unnatural. Polygyny is a natural progression. So most people don't start off in multiple relationships. Mm-hmm. You don't just come and you're like, hey, the three of y'all, what do y'all think about being in a relationship with me? Mm-hmm. Usually you start off with one and then you go to two or depending on where you're from and what you believe in, three, four, five, et cetera, et cetera. So monogamy is very much natural. You kind of need, you know, before you walk, you run. If you're going to be in a relationship. Well, the other way around, probably. Before you run, you walk. Before you walk. Oh, yeah. Before (laughs) you run, you walk. Right. Thank you. I said you have to understand how to deal in a relationship. So monogamy is very much natural. I just don't know the practicality of it Mm. in any point of our history. And I say that because... Whether you participated in in monogamy or polygyny, Mm -hmm. everybody will at some point, but because of the ratio of the male species to the female species, Mm -hmm. eventually something's going to happen. Now, that does not mean that every person will participate in polygyny or polyandry Mm -hmm. or polygamy, but... There will be people who will do it. I think just the idea now is that our current idea of marriage is that if you're not in a monogamous relationship, then you're wrong Mm -hmm. and you're committing adultery, Mm -hmm. which then invites the conversation. Okay, so you just mentioned something about a shift in population, especially with regard to, and I think you're talking about there being fewer men uh, than women at some point. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things happen throughout history. You have wars that take place, and of course men participate in those. That decreases the uh, uh, lifespan of men. And um, men just have a shorter lifespan than, than women. So it's just true. Uh, things like, a variety of things can happen that shift the population in that sense. But my question was, mm-hmm. is, it un- is monogamy unnatural just to the human being? So if we kind of, briefly separated ourselves from what could happen in a society. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that it is unnatural for a man to have the same wife for his whole life? Absolutely not. Um, There are men who their desire Mm -hmm. is one person. There's listen, there's some people who can only focus on one person at a time. And that's how God made them. That's their personality. That's their makeup. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing unnatural about that. I just think that we close ourselves off when we stop and we say everybody has to be like that man because there are some people who are built differently. Okay. And we can admit that we're all built differently. Mm -hmm. Our psyche, what turns us on and what we desire to do. There's some people who a woman could look at and she'd say, I'd never marry him. (laughs) And then there's another person where she could look at and she'd be like, wow, he's with somebody but I want to be with him also. Wow. And that happens mm. and we, we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, it's, it's unfortunate, but we, um, well, I don't want to even get into that part well, of the we'll, news. We'll probably, Oh, <laughs> you mean the, the current events? Okay. Right. But what I'm going to say is that some people are built for it. And yeah. Some people aren't. Okay. So if you're not built for it, then it's unnatural. And then sometimes 
you may just be that may be right up your alley so this brings me to question number three okay Uh (laughs) question number three why do some people embrace polygyny while rejecting polyandry so here's the thing that and that comes with our moral standard okay you know You've heard me say this on previous episodes for those who have subscribed to our page. If you haven't subscribed to our page already, please subscribe to <laughs> yes. Beneath the Surface. <laughs> Shameless plug, yes. But I'm on the Beneath the Surface platform. Yeah. This is the thing. You know, you, you have your relationship. And when you have your relationship, you have a thing where some people can gravitate toward certain things. It's it's just the way of life. So mm-hmm. if you see it for yourself, then yeah, great. It works. But in us viewing our relationships, it becomes, what do you call that? It becomes contradictory. Okay. No, you, you find yourself in conflict. Mm-hmm. When you stop and you say, hey, I'm attracted to this person. I think I want to be with this person. I like being around this person. Yeah. And then we can't forget about the fact of who's been talking to you. You're like, why is it that I don't like any of these people? Mm-hmm. But this one person that I like being with is all right. So now the moral code, right? Okay. So get to why is it accepted for the man and well, not the woman it, and stuff like that? Yeah, it depends on Pop- which angle you come from. So Correct. So when you stop and you say, hey, listen, my moral standard says a woman should be faithful to one man. And that for a man to be mo- with multiple women is fine. Where So that's what the polygyny people, the people who embrace polygyny, that's, that's their quote unquote moral code. Well. That they can... Not, not for everybody, because there's some people. So I'm coming from the perspective of being an Israelite. Yeah. And what the Holy Scriptures speak. And what the Holy Scriptures speak is that when a woman goes to be with multiple men, mm-hmm. that if she's married, she's an adulteress. If right? she's married, okay. Now, you have other cultures that people that don't believe in any part of the Holy Scriptures, and they will stop and say, no, that's just how we do over here. So it just depends on where you're at, where you can see polyandry in Indian culture, but in any part of the different nations of Africa, you can see polygyny that's widely accepted. But then you can go in other parts of the African in nations of Africa within that culture and see that monogamy is also accepted Mm -hmm. where it is. So I say that because, you know, European and Western culture focused on monogamy where I'm of the belief that before we landed on these shores, that polygyny was a much more greater accepted practice and polyandry actually never was even a thought. So the reason that some people embrace polygyny, this is from, you know, your perspective, Mm -hmm. um, while rejecting polyandry is because they have a worldview or a paradigm that says that, uh, that comes from what they've seen in scripture, which seems to, consider women adulteresses if they are married and have more than one man mm-hmm. but don't see that but does not uh count a man to be an adulterer correct um if he is married and has more than one woman if that woman is single that's correct okay so okay well then uh just just a little aside because one thing that i've noticed is that this this topic has been coming up 
in black culture, African-American culture lately, a lot. Um, just in my own interaction with different types of people and hearing different types of conversations, for some reason, uh, it seems to be coming up a lot lately. Um, and and it could be that previous generations had these same conversations. Of course, we come from a very specific generation, but the baby boomers, the greatest generationers, and all the people mm -hmm. before yeah. might have had you know different times in which they were talking about this. But uh, num question number five is how, well, actually, question number four is why is it a hot topic in the black community nowadays? Do you have a view on that? Sure. Um, we have a problem with relationships, right? It's no matter what. No matter how we want to spin it. I don't know if it's an innate problem, like an actual innate problem that we have, or if it's something that has been spun. I don't believe but, it's innate, but okay. because I believe we're under attack as yeah. a people and we're, we're actually promoted to split from one another. Black men versus you black know. women, black women versus black men. Right. But if you're going to attack a group of people, of course you attack that. But here's the thing. You know, women are actually have been promoted whether we realize it or not, to become somebody's baby mother, right? Mm. Become a popular term. And, yeah. you know, you got some women who's like, I don't want to be anybody's baby mother. Yeah. But the reality is that if you split in a divorce, it's, it's a term. You going to be somebody's baby mother. But the idea is like, you want to be able to say, no, I'm not somebody's baby mother. That's my ex-husband. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> we Instead want a more, of a random <laughs> chick having children. Right. It's more palatable for us. So I say all of that to state that um, it's a hot topic for us because mm -hmm. we have a problem with commitment. And I'm saying it because this deals with us. We have a problem with commitment. We have a problem with marriage. And we have a problem with longevity. Um, I believe that we don't have the proper tools we haven't been conditioned and set up to understand Dude, how to look I'm past sorry. our problems i'm sorry i have to wait wait Go i'm ahead. sorry Can, my parents mm -hmm. generation didn't have this problem yeah. their parents generation didn't have this problem yeah. their parents generation didn't have how I many baby point, mothers was in that generation that's the thing i don't like i don't see many baby and i'm talking about the boomers and in, in terms of the numbers right? right did not have a problem right their parents so so sometimes when we make these generalizations about black people, this seems to be a recent phenomenon. Yes, it is. But don't forget, too, amongst millennials, amongst Generation X, mm -hmm. we stop and we look at these things and we sit and we're like, man, how did they put up with that? That's a conversation that they have. They stop and they say, oh, our mothers, we knew that there was another family across town somewhere. That was rare. I don't think that was a common thing. Well, but bigamy was, well, I think, was common. I think that it wasn't bigamy mm -hmm. in the sense that you had people that they didn't commit. Let's talk about commit. Yeah. They have four kids over here. They have five kids over there, and they had another two over there. Mm -hmm. And there were stages of their lives that they were having children. And so you might have known that you had a brother or sister mm -hmm. somewhere around there, mm -hmm. me being one of those people. But you're like, hey, listen, I don't, you know, interact with them like that. Yeah. And so. I'm one of those people, too. So point being is that what you had was the wife who stuck it out. Cause she was like, 
this is my husband. Okay. This is what I'm going so to it's, stick to. So it sounds like you're saying conditions haven't necessarily improved. It's just that in our parents' generation and previous generations, people stuck it out, whereas right. our generation is like, right. They're like no. And, I don't think so. And it's promoted to be an independent woman now, right? Mm. It wasn't that big then to be independent woman before it was like, this is my family, this is what we have to do. And the image was more important. Now it's... If you're an independent woman, your image has to be strength, that you overcame all those odds, mm. that the father wasn't there and you still survived. And look at your child now <laughs> where that doesn't promote family. So mm. it's a hot topic because you stop and you say, okay, are you going to become an independent woman? And I stop and I say, it's like if, if marriage is not promoted, if it's not, you know, back in the day, it's like, oh, she's pregnant. You have to marry her now. Yeah. And that's not the case now. Mm-hmm. He could have three of them pregnant at the same time. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's worried about, he's not worried about who he's going to marry or if, or if he's going to get married. Mm. He's worried about how much it's going to be in child support. Mm. Right? So family isn't the concern. And so the breakdown ends up happening that when it becomes a hot topic, mm-hmm. because they're like, is this, is it polygyny what we're practicing out there? You're saying it's that's being a, practiced anyway. And for in some people's not cases. Not necessarily. Okay. It's, it's a version it's a, it's a or it's deceptive. It's polygyny. a distorted. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> deceptive clearly, but it's a distorted version of polygyny. Mm-hmm. You know, polygyny in its proper aspect, everybody knows, right? Mm-hmm. Should be, and you're married to these women. You're mm-hmm. committed to them. You're worried about her welfare. How was your day? Are your bills taken care of? There's a level of cooperative living. That goes on, right? Yeah. Said So if you have a whole bunch of children, no matter how old your children get, you still got to help them, right? That's cooperative living. That's not what we're doing. We're focusing more on the sexual aspect, mm-hmm. the child rearing and breeding aspect, or not necessarily in that order, the child mm-hmm. breeding and rearing aspect, as opposed to this woman and me and this other woman and me are in a relationship and this is how we're going to make it work. Wow. So yeah, to our listeners, so we're going to take a little break here, but when we come back, it's going to be all about the black community. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on with us. All right, let's jump back into this concerning uh, the black community. Uh, So we're on question number five. Five? I thought we was on 30. Nope. Nope. (laughs) All right. So speaking of black folks. Okay. Who we love. How, from your perspective, how could polygyny benefit the black community? Um, I'm going to answer the question, but I'm going to say I don't think that's a fair question. Hmm. It's the same way monogamy can benefit the black community. Marriage benefits mankind. You're saying the common denominator is marriage. Correct. Regardless of what type of marriage it is. Correct. Healthy Unless it's polyandry. Unless it's polyandry. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Unless it's polyandry. But healthy relationships. Um... Because I believe that women, which is documented, women outnumber men, you know, it's important for a woman to not only find a man, but find a man who she's compatible with. Mm -hmm. And that man may actually already have a wife. That man already may be in a committed relationship. So if that woman who it's important for that woman to know herself and know what she can tolerate, 
or or be happy with it. I don't want to well, tolerate the rest well, of my life. I want to enjoy well, it. Well, listen, there's, there's there's a lot of people in marriages tolerating people, but that's a topic for yeah. another podcast. <laughs> but I sit down, it's like, if that's what you think you want and you know, like, I, I don't care what anybody says. If you know you could look at somebody and say you love them, you love them. Like, yeah. I love this person. I genuinely have their well-being in mind mm-hmm. and this person makes me happy then i say go for it and if you know you'd be like listen i feel some type of way about being with him because none of this feels right to me then don't do it hmm. because you don't want to live in conflict but the benefit of it to answer the question yeah. is companionship god didn't create any of us to be alone hmm. not a near one and so sometimes you have to know what you can accept, what you can't accept, what a person brings to the table, yeah. what you plan to bring to the table. And if that allows you to have a lifetime of happiness, then by all means, go for it. So I have a follow-up, and I don't remember whether this is one of the questions that will come up later, but if it is, it's we right. can just expound yeah. on it. Uh, but the thing about what you just said, um, from my perspective, let me see if I can remember my follow-up now that I d- did all that talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so the main thing is that the the, the issue is marriage, and the issue is is family. That's, that's what the real issue is. It's right. not the type um, that that you have and yes i forgot my follow-up that's all right because i want to jump in right now anyway (laughs) so i don't want us to forget polygamy is a type of relationship yeah polygyny is a type of relationship monogamy is a type of relationship Mm -hmm. and so when you decide to engage in a relationship and that's what i say about what's going on out here Mm -hmm. you know any man can go and get a bunch of women pregnant that doesn't make it polygyny that's just whoredom Okay. And so when you make a distinction here between whoredom based on your worldview, which is biblical from your perspective, correct? Then that's different than polygyny. Well, well, listen, and well, I can't say it's just mine because what we see in what we hear in music, what we see defined in the American Mm -hmm. English dictionary, Mm -hmm. said all that. You go, you sleep with a woman without commitment. That's whoredom. Now. If there's a commitment there, if you say like, hey, listen, this is what we're doing here, then it, there's a relationship status established with it. I want it, I, I need to have that understood and defined because yeah. people take polygyny and they're like, oh, well, yeah, that's my other wife. That's not your other wife. Not if she don't know. Mm. She don't even be like, you got a wife over here, you got a wife over here, you saying you in polygyny. And the only person that knows is you. So he just wants to screw, basically. Correct. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, she doesn't even think she's in a relationship with you. <laughs> she just found out. She's like, oh, my goodness, I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right? And so what happens is that I say for us is that we need to understand how to properly define polygyny and understand how to properly define healthy relationships. You know, our women have been treated in such a way for so long yeah. and been told that everything other than what a woman is mm-hmm. is that now – they find themselves fighting for the respect that they deserve in a relationship. That's wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't go into a relationship wondering what your status is. Mm. Even if, and I'm not saying that I accept it, but even if you decide to be a whore, Mm -hmm. you can stop and say, well, I'm being a whore tonight. (laughs) Right. You know, the status when you stop and you dealing with a man and you're like, what is our relationship status right now? Where are we going with this? Or what's the end all to this? 
there's something wrong with that. And that's how we broke down as a people. Okay. I, I really appreciate the distinction you just made, but I also just realized what my follow up question yeah, it's was. All good. Come so on. when we look at the numbers, okay. the numbers alone, this may come up later, but when we look at the numbers alone, if polygyny is something that is practiced by too many men, then you will have men who can't have wives. So this is just, we're talking about arithmetic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and if this is something in the black community that becomes widespread enough, and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be too widespread because if one man takes two wives, or let's just say, let's just say that even if we get to the point where women are 75% of the population and men are only 25, right? Once a few men have four wives, then it starts leveling off and if more and more men have four wives, sooner or later you'll have men who can't build their families. So what do you think about that? Um, point taken, I don't know if that has ever happened in the history of the world. <laughs> there are not enough women. Only The only place I could think of where something like that could possibly happen is in China. Yeah. Like where they have population control. Mm -hmm. Right. But see, th with them, they are telling either you have a boy or you have a girl mm -hmm. and you can't have more than two and things of that nature and so what i stop and say is and you know i bring my biblical perspective of once course. again um king solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines so there were people in his king there were men in his kingdom that possibly did could not have wives because why would a woman want some some women who don't mind polygyny would prefer king solomon over the pauper sitting there that that's that's to assume that of the four women left all four of them want me, right? Okay. It doesn't work out like that. And so that's why I says, is, is it a possibility? It's, I think it's a very far reaching possibility. However, I will concede that if we're going to deal with law of averages, that's possible, yeah. but I don't think that it will work out like that. And mm -hmm. so what I say is that, and God creating us, God created Adam, he created Eve, mm -hmm. he created somebody for him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I believe that there's somebody out there for each and every one of us. Okay. You just have to find who your match is. And part of that is in dealing in healthy relationships, realizing when somebody is for you and when somebody is not for you. And sometimes we close off our eyes to certain people mm -hmm. because we don't really know what we want. We just know what, what we've been told we should want. Okay, that's that, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people who are developmental adolescents, for example, mm -hmm. or people who behave as if they are, um, allow the social engineering of society to tell mm -hmm. them uh, that this particular complexion of a woman or man Correct. is more desirable, Correct. or they prefer to bring a certain, you know, phenotype around their family but they haven't even dug slightly beneath the surface right right <laughs> to determine what they actually like mm -hmm. yeah so let's go on to uh question number six how do kids benefit when their dad is only in the house part-time if he's married to a woman in different households so some people who do polygyny mm -hmm. will have women in different households mm -hmm. i could completely understand that i don't know if i could imagine being in the same household with my husband sleeping with somebody else, I, mm. you know, but again, I, I come from a monogamy um, uh, mm. paradigm. So, um, but yeah. So how do kids benefit when their dad is only in the house part-time um, when he's married to the woman, to women in different households. So he has to jump from household to household. Um, I can't speak with speci specificity. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get it out? Specificity. Mm -hmm. However, I'll stop and say that, you know, 
you have men who are entertainers who are not always home. Yeah. You have men who are in the armed forces who are not always home. Mm-hmm. They travel a lot. And I think it's not necessarily fair to put it on the man because he's not there every day as the child would like or as the woman would like that he's being absent in his duties. However, I do concede to the fact you cannot be an absentee father. You do have to spend some time with your family. However, that would be on the man in that relationship. And that would be according to the nature of their relationship. And sometimes even when you travel, sometimes you got to bring your family with you, right? Yeah. And so we see entertainers, they do that. They're like, hey, listen, I've been going this amount of time. And then there's certain jobs that people work, which I've seen. And they go, all right, we're sending you away for 30 days. So we'll allow you to bring your family for two weeks of those of that time that you're gone so you can spend some time with your family which is healthy which makes sense yeah even armed forces they'll say you got to go back home for a while to be with your family um every night i don't per- pers- personally i don't think it's necessary for a man to be home every night and just because he's not home every night that doesn't mean that he's with another woman or that he's up to no good that's just his schedule but that would be for the man dealing in polygyny to handle that aspect in order to bring happiness to his home. And so what I'll say in closing for this part yeah. is, is that, you know, a man, there's sometimes where certain situations call for you to be in a certain household. Um, if you have a child with special needs, okay. um, if something is happening with the neighbors and maybe something's getting volatile, it may cause you to be there a little bit more often than you need to be. But the reality is, is that, you know, I don't know if you're going to have two women in like two different states <laughs> and you think you're going to split half the week between them. It's, it's just not practical. Um, and as my co-host has stated to me before, what do you call that? Planning fallacy? Yeah, planning like, fallacy. <laughs> like, like, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, So be practical. Understand what makes you happy in your relationship. And some people, listen, some people, is <laughs> a reality, as, as, as having been married, mm-hmm. sit down, sometimes it's like people appreciate time away. Like that makes the heart grow fonder. Right. And so it's not always there, but you do need to be there for your top, for your child's developmental stages so that they understand what it, what it is to be a father and to understand how it is to have a father around. Yeah. You just mentioned something I didn't even think to ask you. And it's not on this list about, you know, how a man can protect his household if he's only there for half of the week. Um, You know, did you have any thoughts about that before we move on or is it just a general point? Thank you. Listen, in any any form of protection, even in protecting yourself, mm-hmm. is all the things set up for you to be protected. Have you created an environment? Ensure that your family is living in a safe environment. Ensure that your family understands how to resolve conflict. You okay. know, just as important as it is that I have a gun to protect the household from any intruders, is as important that I tell my children, hey, when you go out there, don't start with people because mm-hmm. they will follow you home. Mm-hmm. And then your problem ends up becoming our problem and you might be wrong. Okay. And so it's important not only to have that, but to also understand, be involved with your community, be involved with your neighbors, mm-hmm. make sure that your neighbors understand that you're good people. Yeah. 
saying your friends and make sure that your family and all that has to do with the morals I've been speaking about and how we deal with one another, that we become good God fearing individuals so that when people see us, the conflict actually stays away from us because they understand the type of people that we are. Okay. And just to, um, to close this segment out, um, I just want to make sure just for clarity's sake, are you saying that it does not from what you know, having children, uh, that it does not impact a child's development when he sees his father part-time? I think it depends. So children have a way of understanding. Um, you tell them, Hey, listen, this is what's going on. And they go, okay, fine. Um, I think the part that becomes tough for children is when they have to adjust. Children just have an issue with adjusting. Yeah. It's like, they want stability all the time. Right. Seen you all the time. Now I don't see you anymore. What's going on here? Or, um, you used to do this for me and now you're no longer doing this for me. Why? And you're not going to say that I don't see you as much anymore because you're maturing. You know, the things we may have dressed our children and now it's like, hey, now it's time for you to begin to dress yourself. That's over a course of time. Um, when the father is there, the child needs to be, you have to explain to the child. And polygyny is a real conversation to have. Okay. Stop and explain to the child. You say, hey, listen, I have another wife now. I'm in another relationship now. And that's why you don't see me as often. However... I'm still here. I'm still your father. This is what we're still doing. And the child will eventually understand unless conflict comes into the home. And conflict being, you know, when you force another wife on Mm -hmm. or when the other wife is kind of just dropped in and then they know what's happening with their parent and they're looking at their mother and they're like, hey, listen, something's switching here. And so when my father comes home, it's not like how it used to be. Yeah. The child is processing it. Or it would seem that if if the child um, sees that somebody else is in the picture and an additional family is being built or additional uh, additional people are being added to the family, that this child is getting less attention from their father who they love and they're used to having to themselves. And the thing I'll say is that that's normal. You can have another child. Mm-hmm. And the child doesn't like the attention that the baby is getting. Yeah. And they have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Right? So, however, in dealing with polygyny, we have to remember is there's sometimes, which happens to us when we break up in relationships, mm-hmm. the child is being told one thing by one parent <laughs> and another thing by another parent. And so no matter how much, you know, children, we don't like to talk about it, but children choose sides. <laughs> they have a favorite parent. I know we don't like to accept it, but... <laughs> Somebody like or sometimes they're more. told who their favorite parent should be, which is Co- treading on dangerous ground. Correct, and so or that, asked to choose, which I think is one of the worst things in the world. Right, because both of them care for you, and yeah. you may well let's not get into that because <laughs> that'll be a whole nother yeah, podcast. Yeah. But what I'll say is that when you're dealing with polygyny, if he's like, "Oh, why is your father doing this to your mother?" Mm-hmm then you're going to have problems, no matter how you look at it. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk just a little bit more about kids. We'll be right back. And we are back. So speaking of kids and mm-hmm. as a girl who loved her daddy, <laughs> which right, is typical, so, right? Yeah, which is typical. You know, there's certain things. There are a lot of things. We can have a whole show on the benefit of fathers to daughters or the benefit of fathers to sons, because it's really strange nowadays. There are a lot of people running around who somehow don't know 
uh, why fathers are critical. It's just like, it's just weird. Yeah, that so is. Uh-huh. yeah, that's another, that's another one, you know, but anyway, when it comes to daughters, the next question, question number seven, how do you model faithfulness to your daughter? If you have multiple women, how, um, so speaking as a man and I am a man, <laughs> yes, you know, Again, I said this in the last statement, in the last segment, and I'll state it again. Mm -hmm. It's explained to them. You know, I think it's a very well-known thing that boys have to be boys and girls have to be girls. And that if you think you're going to do what men do, you definitely won't be treated the same. The question we have we have to ask ourselves is, is this type of behavior interchangeable? Is... A man having multiple wives and a woman having multiple husbands, the same type of thing, or is there something wrong with it? And that's why I said jumps back to the moral aspect. But as far as being faithful, all of us should set standards for our children, what they should and shouldn't be doing, and what it means to them to to be in a marriage. And so once we are able to establish those lines, I think, daughters will be fine. Um, Um, I just want to clarify because I just want to make sure um, what I'm basically saying is one of the things that fathers do for their daughters Mm -hmm. is they model manhood, right? Right. So when the daughter grows up, uh, then she has a good um, guide or a a background that tells her what type of man is worthy of paying attention to. So Uh yes, yeah, this is a man and this over here clearly isn't. Mm -hmm. So if, so how, if a man has these multiple women, how is his daughter able to see what a man who's faithful would look like? So I state that you have to have these conversations with your daughter. What would you say to your daughter? You know, what, what, what kind you mean, of, what have I said? Okay. What <laughs> have you said to your daughter, especially regarding things like this? Find a man who loves you. Find a man who wants to take care of you. Cause that's everything that I am. Find a man that you like being around. Find a man you don't mind listening to and who doesn't mind listening to you. You know, all these things are there. Listen, you love me, but you don't like me all the time. Let's not fool ourselves. There's sometimes when you don't like your father, right? And I have my ways and people have their ways and I don't highlight my mistakes, but I realize that there are certain things that I don't do well. And so you understand that. Say, but you love me as your father because of the way I treat you. Mm -hmm. When you look for a husband, find a man that you like the way he treats you. Okay. That will be indicative of who you can spend the rest of your life with. Because here's the reality. Me and you can't marry one another. <laughs> You're my daughter. There's not another me walking around. Yeah. You can't clone me. If you try and compare me to every man you meet, you're going to be very lonely for a very long time. <laughs> and so I stopped and I told all of my daughters, hey, listen, don't worry so much about impressing me. I want to be impressed. Don't worry so much about impressing me. Make sure you're happy with the person. Because if you're happy with the person, I'm happy with the person. But how can they find a man who will be faithful to them in a monogamous relationship when monogamy had never been modeled to them? One, that's that's provided they're looking for monogamy. Hmm. Right? Interesting. And they have their own choices to make in life. And two, they have to sit down and have the conversation. I don't know what it is about us as a people. We're afraid 
to stop and say what we want. What do and you in think particular, it is? What do you think it is? I don't know. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because women are content in living in a relationship for an extended amount of time and say, I hope one day he asked to marry. <laughs> That's crazy. Instead of having the discussion about marriage. It feels like, hey, listen, how long are we going to do this? Mm. We're doing everything except <laughs> the very idea of marriage. Why is that? Mm-hmm. When is the appropriate time to have a conversation about children? When is the appropriate time to have questions about your future? It's like, hey, listen, are we going to build something here? Are we always going <laughs> to rent? Are we going to buy a house? Mm. You understand? And it's... The fact is, is that sometimes we know it's like the person is on the edge of being one foot out the door. Okay. You know, maybe I'll be here, maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't know if I really want to marry you because, and sometimes it's the history that's there, mm-hmm. what has happened in between. But regardless of the history, you shouldn't be afraid to have the conversation. Sometimes you realize that a person's only there for convenience. Hmm. And... It's important to have that conversation with your mate so that you know what you're dealing with. Sometimes you throw it out on the table. Anybody can lie to you. Like, are you only with me because it's convenient for you? (laughs) Are you only with me because you want a place to stay? Mm. And guess what? You may not always need for the person to validate it. Their actions can speak louder than their words. This person's only with me because... I have X, Y, and Z. And if you know that's not what you want, if you know that's not a person who you can spend the rest of your life with, then make your decision. So when it comes to polygyny, that's when you, you're looking for the model, but you're not going to marry me. Yeah. So the thing that's important is how a person treats you, how he treats his mother, how he treats the people in his life. If you could sit down and say, you'd be like, oh, he's mean to those people. And not think that that side of him can't come out on you. Yeah. And that's foolish. Well, why don't we flip the script a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about health? Okay. Uh, yes. Now we're jumping to question number eight. Health what? and polygyny? Yes. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> okay. What about what they're now calling STIs, which uh-huh. is sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. But when we were coming up, we called them STDs. Okay. What about them? How Same can somebody right? yeah. be safe? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But how can somebody be safe? How can men be safe putting their bodies into other a whole bunch of women? And how can women be safe receiving, um, you know, sexual interaction with a man who's been with all these chicks who they don't know? Okay. So one personal opinion. Um, you can get you can be in a monogamous relationship and get an STI <laughs> um and that has more to do with personal hygiene and the exchange of fluids and things of that nature as opposed to multiple sexual partners so the sexual partners in the act makes it easily transferable Right. Because you are intimate with this person. Yeah. And that's the way you get it as opposed to just getting a disease. So I will stop and I'll say this. Um, There are people. Wait, wait, wait. If you have multiple partners, of course, multiple. Of course, that increases the amount of bodily fluids being exchanged. But does not increase the the likelihood that you get an infection. More bodily fluids does not increase the likelihood. The the likelihood is if you with, I hate to say it like this, if you were a nasty person who doesn't, you know, practice good personal hygiene, 
that's going to happen. Disease lives off of bacteria. Okay. And so I don't want to get into that whole <laughs> medical field. Yeah. But what I'm going to say is that when you can have a man, and I point to other countries as my point of reference, you have people who have more than one wife. And I speak to African nations in particular, people in Ethiopia, Ghana, Nigeria, things of that nature. There's not an epidemic going on. Actually, Africa supposedly has an AIDS epidemic and an HIV epidemic all across that continent. Well, I I would <laughs> I would state to that. You about that, to go conspiracy theory? Yes, somewhere. I am. Because mm, 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 mm. flu vaccine, you know where I'm at with this. <laughs> the the benevolent one has <laughs> come and told them that they'll heal them from something that they never suffered from. But that's going to be that's conversation for another time but what i'm going to say is is that um we see immorality in our own country right here Mm -hmm. sexual immorality often and people don't catch diseases every time they have a multiple part they they deal with multiple partners okay so um it's it's as much about hygiene as it is about knowing who you're with and how you um how you present yourself. So ultimately, question number nine pops up. Mm-hmm. Why would a woman agree to this? She stuck with one man, whereas <laughs> this stuck. man isn't. Yes, whereas to jump that in whereas there. Stuck. Whereas this Missy man stuck. is not stuck. Stuck, Miss Eve. Stuck. Look, look. Nobody well, no, stuck. But look, I'm using the word stuck because I think that's what the man would consider nope, himself nobody, to be no, if he has just and one well, woman. I, well, I'm a man uh, and you're a woman, so you so, can't speak for the male race. Well, I'm How asking you to speak the male race. You mean the male right. gender? But, male gender, yes. yes. But my, but I know that you can't speak for women, but you've been around families like this more sure. than I have. So right. why would a woman agree to being stuck with one man while her husband could just do whatever he wants? One simple word. You ready for me? No. Happiness. She's happy being stuck with one man while he can do what he wants. No, you keep using that word stuck. He would She's feel happy. stuck if no, it was the no, other no, way around. That's, that's your opinion. Okay. You keep saying stuck, but one, nobody's ever stuck in a relationship. You make the decision to stay. Would you consider yourself stuck if you had to stick to one, to one, one woman? No. You would not consider yourself stuck? I would not. Okay. I would not. Why? All right. So then I won't use Why? the word stuck. Why? Because she makes me happy. Okay. Now, if she didn't make me happy <laughs> and I had to stay, then yes, I'd be like, I'm stuck. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm here. Why do I have to deal with this? This mm-hmm. woman is crazy. She treats me this way. Of course, I'm embellishing right now. But my mm-hmm. point is, is that there's, and obviously from the inflection in my tone, mm-hmm. that word stuck, I, you know, I have this thing with people. It's like, you make decisions for who you want to be with. Okay. Nobody comes and hits you over the head and you wake up in an apartment and you're like, this is my life. Yeah. You decided who you wanted to be with. You decided who you expose your body to. You decided who you would spend your free time with. Mm-hmm. If that person changes, then make a decision. Mm-hmm. If that person hasn't changed and you have changed, then make a decision. But. The reality is that you have people who sometimes they, they're saying that they're stuck, but there's certain things that they like yeah. and there's certain things that they don't like. And so when and they're dealing, choosing to stay when you when when they weigh the pros and the cons, they're choosing that the pros right. have actually won. Correct. And, you know, there's this thing with polygyny that 
from women who are in it that I know mm-hmm. that they always say they enjoy their time off. Missy. Their time off. They enjoy their freedom <laughs> of not having a man around twenty-four-seven all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Hey, listen, when we get together, we get together, mm-hmm. and when we don't, we don't, and it's okay." I, in my opinion, yeah, for younger women, they desire that the men to be up under them, right? Yeah. Where as we begin to mature, then it's like I understand how to spend my time. I understand what I need to do. And it's like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. this is okay. Yeah. And it doesn't become burdensome. And so, you know, I always teach. It's like everybody needs their time to themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you ain't got to be, I'm in the living room, now you're in the living room. I'm in the bedroom, now you're in the bedroom. I'm in the den, now you're in the be- <laughs> den. You're like, what's going on here? Well, wait, so, so, so are you ultimately saying that a woman should not care what her man does in terms of other relationships outside of her? If she is happy, then wh- when, when she was happy when it was just those two nothing has changed his time spent with her hasn't changed the only thing that's changed is that he has other women so she should just stick to being happy because she has a man no absolutely not okay <laughs> now a man can go and do something that would be very dangerous mm-hmm. and so there has to be a responsibility with polygyny and it's like you know you you like going to sleep with nasty women who like being with multiple men She'll tell you she likes being with multiple men, but you're going to, um, for lack of a better term, going to get your rocks off. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing. God doesn't like anything about that. And there's something dangerous when those STIs that we were just speaking of, yeah. you bring back to the woman. Why? Because she has trusted you. She's trusted you that you're going to develop good relationships or try and develop a good relationship because not all relationships work. And so for you to go and be irresponsible with your body and then expose it to her. Yeah. And, you know, which a big problem with STIs are is like you wouldn't even wait the time for you to heal Mm. before you come and be with another woman and enter her body. Mm. And then now she has to live with your decisions. Yeah. And so and whatever children might come out out of that, et cetera. Well, (laughs) That's another conversation. I mean, but what I'm going to say is, and listen, I understand you're keeping it real. It's like, hey, listen, there, there's a certain level of trust going on mm-hmm. that I can trust your decision making and that you have this family's best interest in mind. As opposed to me waking up one day and I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then you go to your doctor and yeah. you find out, hey, this is what's going on. All right. Well, let's get a little bit more specific. Mm-hmm. And when we come back. So speaking of the specificity that you talked about earlier, Uh (laughs) question number 10, what characteristics cause polygyny to go well? Um, so not trying to simplify it, but I'm going to make the statement again. Mm -hmm. Happiness. So the marriage is about right. Mutual happiness, mutual happiness. Um, the building of family. Um, obviously when two families come together, you actually build friends. So, you know, prayerfully everything works out and everybody gets along. And so, you know, your friends are my friends and we hang out together and we do different things. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, if you like the idea of a big family, which Mm -hmm. some people do, not everybody does, then you can have that. 
Um, obviously, the common denominator is going to be the man. There's no getting around that. Mm. Said, however, um, when we build families, we allow to fulfill our purpose. And in my opinion, the only way we live on, the only way yeah. we continue our life is through having children mm. and allowing them to be either what we couldn't get done in our lifetime or watching them expand what we have built already as a family and in turn even maybe establishing a legacy. So a lot of things can a lot of things can go right. Um well, we all, when I talk about characteristics though, I guess the better way to word it would have been what should be done you know, within that kind of uh, marriage and relationship to make it work. Because, of course, question number 11 is going to be what can be done to cause it to go awry. Uh, um, but, yeah, you know, so so what uh, are things that you've noticed that cause um, this arrangement to communication. work? Communication. Okay. Number one, communication. And that's with all things. I don't care what type of relationship it is, if it's a friendship, communication. But um, communication Understanding what to talk about, understanding what not to talk about. There's sometimes where there's certain things that you know you're not going to see eye to eye on. Mm -hmm. And just it's better to avoid it, provided that it's not a critical part of your relationship. Doesn't that bring about lying and lies of of omission? Well, because you don't talk about it, so therefore you're still doing your own thing. I have this thing about lies of omission. And the only thing I say about lies of omission is you you are presuming that I'm omitting information based on what you want to know mm-hmm. where um lying in itself is you ask me something I know what you're asking me and I just choose to say something other than what it is um so what I would say is that I don't think it promotes lying or or lying by omission mm-hmm. for those who um actually know what the other person wants to wants to know because um there are sometimes it's like hey listen every time we talk about money we start arguing mm-hmm. i'm not gonna have this conversation with you <laughs> it's like that ain't i ain't no man nothing. i want to know how much you make mm-hmm. like every time you ask me how much i make mm-hmm. every time you ask me how much money i spent every time you ask me what i did with my money it becomes another conversation about how i should spend my money mm-hmm the bills are paid. Um, you ask me for something, I give it to you. But when you, and this is a very real conversation that happens in relationships. Yeah. When you start spending my money for me, you spend your money and you spend my money. That means your money goes to this, this, that, and another. Then you tell me what my money should be going to according to this, this, that, and another. And, you know, that's so something that could break anything down. So there's a yours and my money thing. Uh, well, there shouldn't be. Okay. But... The reality is that there's there's a level of our money, yeah, and then there's a level of yours and mine. So, so. I can't, uh, and I'll just say this, and like as we talk about polygyny, it's like, you know, we're married. If you need some money, yeah, you can go on my wallet and take some money, but there's the courtesy of letting me know you went in my wallet, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, hey, listen, I needed twenty dollars, I didn't have it. I took $20. Mm-hmm. That's the courtesy. Is is it all right? Especially if I'm sitting right there and you go in <laughs> and you don't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, vice versa, me yeah. going into your purse. Um, but 
there's sometimes where it's like, hey, listen, no, this money was for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And you went and you took it and you didn't let me know, which becomes a trust factor. Well, right? let's continue with, with question number 10 because we're, oh, we, we're, we're going, going to be into all 11. Over the place. But, but let me say this. Before we get to, before we get to number 10. No, no, we're on 10. But I'm just saying I'm still talk, we're still talking about what can go well. What yeah. can go well. Yeah. So the thing is that, you know, the, the sharing of resources, if you believe in sharing of resources... Yeah. Hey, you can actually build and have some great things, mm. but everybody has to have the buy-in. Yeah. Um, the children being together, you know, everybody knows good development for a child is to be around other children. When you have other family members and things of that nature. Mm. Um, and it should be focused on family. It should be focused on the things that you do for one another. It should mm -hmm. be focused on helping one another. And that's all the same foundation and fundamentals in a monogamous relationship. Okay. As far as going wrong or okay, awry. So that's, and, that, and that's question number 11. Uh -huh. What are some specific things that can go wrong, can go awry in a polygynous relationship or with polygynous uh, family slash marriage? Divorce. And right. wait, and, and I'm talking uh, about things characteristics. That, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, things that could cause the breakdown is what I'm trying to ask. Um, again, the lack of trust, the lack of faith. Um, a big one. I'm sure Miss Evils love this one. A what? big one, showing favoritism mm. from one wife to another. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and we see examples of that in our holy scriptures. And when favoritism comes up, then competition starts to play. Then does he still love me mm -hmm. comes into play. And why doesn't he spend time with me anymore? And I'm a person who says, you know, there's sometimes where you think he's not spending time with you because he wants to be with another woman. Where really it could be your very actions that makes him not want to spend time with you. And you're unwilling to accept that. Okay. Oh, he just wants somebody else. Mm -hmm. No, you choose to focus that he's with somebody else. But really, there was a major event, something that happened between you two mm -hmm. that made him fall out of love with you. And you're unwilling to fix it. And that can happen either which way, right? Yeah, and so what happens is that when you deal in polygyny, we look for a scapegoat. We're like, oh, He's not coming home anymore. It's that other woman. Oh, his other child allegedly needs all this attention. So that's why he wants, because he wants to be around that child, he doesn't want to be around me anymore. Mm -hmm. Where it may be something that y'all need to work on in your relationship. But these are all things that as they start to occur, mm -hmm. they can be issues. And so that's why you see me kind of speak at length about money. Because yeah. like, oh, now you're giving all your money to her. <laughs> and now you ain't got nothing over here. And if you want to have another one, then you're going to treat us all the same. But you're saying that that's what, you know, that Correct. shouldn't be favoritism. And you yeah. sit down, you tell them, you're like, this is the same amount of money that I've been dealing with with you. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you need more money. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Oh, now, now things need to be fixed. Now I need a new pair of shoes. Now I need a new bag. When's the last time you bought me a wardrobe? You would have never asked me that question <laughs> in life. Mm -hmm. You say you were fine with buying your own clothes, but now I need to afford you. Interesting. Right. So that's those those are the things that can go wrong. Yeah. But people have to understand if you, if you're going into it, again, communication, 
if you have this conversation before you start all of this, it will help quell. It won't go away, but it will help quell some of the concerns and possible pitfalls. So that drama that you just mentioned uh-huh. is a perfect seg- segue <laughs> to uh, question number 12. Oh, Why go. would a man want oh. to have the challenge of dealing with multiple personalities? I walked what into this in one. The wor- what is the be- Why would a man want? Do y'all hear her voice? Now, now, of course, if you objectify <laughs> even wives, then the only thing you're concerned about are body parts. Okay. No, no, no. I'm making a, I'm making a decision. So if there is a man who objectifies wives you know then it doesn't then somehow he's able to sidestep the personality and all he's looking at looking for is body parts Mm -hmm. but i'm talking about a a actual decent human right okay you know not a human rights violation dude right so um so why would what what benefit is there why would a man even want the challenge of dealing with this woman with this personality this with another this with another why would he want that well i hear you speak of it as if he goes in saying, I'm going to have a problem with this one and this one and this one. Men don't do that. And I'm just going to speak as a man because I am. You say they don't think ahead? What, what are you saying? Not that they don't think ahead. When we get with somebody, mm-hmm. we assume that they're going to act right, which is the same that y'all expect for us. You don't expect to get into arguments. No, you I'm don't not expect to have that. disagreements. You're talking about multiple personalities. Just having, like, having to deal with and yeah. adjust to we three think, totally different chicks. We think we got it under control. But why would you? We we believe want we got to deal it with three different personalities because chicks. we got it under control. It's not an issue. Hmm. I'm not worried about that. Getting it's, adjusted to this one and adjusted to the desires right. of this one, adjusted to this one. All right. And so okay. the dating environment. Let's just keep it for real. Keep it real for a minute, right? <laughs> for real. Let's just keep it real for a minute. Men date multiple women, mm-hmm. and they don't stop and say, "Oh, you know, I got to balance this one and this one." Why would I need to date one at a time? And he's like, "Okay, I went out with a date with that one. She was all right. I might go out on a date with this one. We'll see." And it's just a reality. Very grown conversation. We start to choose which one we think we can deal better with. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then that's the one who we start to spend more time with. It's the same thing for polygyny. You know what you have. So now when you start to look at the next one, you go, hey, is this somebody who I think can handle this? Who wants to be around me? Who appreciates? Listen, if she starts complaining about her time and the time you spend with her mm-hmm. and that's after like day three and you're like oh hey listen you called me yesterday and i missed your call and we didn't speak all day <laughs> you must obviously not love me the warning signs are there for you <laughs> like <laughs> she wants you to speak to you every day throughout the day all the time and all those things happen and so i'll go back to the communication aspect once again yeah and i stop and i say hey listen if you don't plan to speak to her every day you need to let her know She's explaining to you she expects to be she expects to hear from you and be heard Mm -hmm. every day in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that, you know, you got to kind of deal with. But I say for men, we don't look at we don't be like, oh, this is another personality. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, no, we don't do that. We stop and we say, do we think she can handle it? Do we think she can handle being with me? And then we go from there. Mm-hmm. We really ask ourselves, 
she thinks she can handle me because of the male ego. So, Our ego stops and says, if she bothered to give me her number, she must love me. So it's not necessarily like, okay, it's just easier for me to grow with this person than to have to, to, to than to have to adjust to all these other people. But I'm going to tell you because this. a lot of times people oh, do choose. Well, what I'm saying is that a lot of people do choose the path of least resistance, but for some reason in this area, <laughs> not choosing the path I, of least resistance. I was about to say, I'm most so men, a lot of men like the challenge. Mm, okay. All right. So oh, now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Listen, it's a challenge. Well, not necessarily for polygyny, but if a man, I'm just being real. Please be real. And if a man thought he could juggle 19 women in one week and get away with it, trust me, he'd do it. He'd be like, oh, I'm the man right now. I had mm, 19 mm, women and I did blah, 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 because the male ego is driven. I'm just keeping it real. And so, so mm-hmm. and so I say it's like for polygyny, that's why I said it's important to understand that polygyny is a relationship, not just you dating different people. Cause when you date, if I decide to not call you anymore, yeah. I'm a, I'm a bad guy, but it's not as bad as when we're in a relationship and I don't call you anymore. Yeah. Right. So when men do that, they don't look at it as, oh, I got to balance this personality, then that personality, mm-hmm. then what if we just stop and we say to ourselves, okay, I think I can handle this person. I think we mesh well, like with any other relationship, mm-hmm. and let's see where this goes from here. So speaking of the way women are treated, uh, question number 13, mm-hmm. and this is a long question. How many what questions we got? What the 20, 20 okay. what does it say about a man's empathy and character? Okay. What does it say about a man's empathy and character that he would want multiple women, but not approve of his woman having multiple men? A man is a man and a woman is a woman. For a man to think he can empathize with a woman is probably erroneous on our behalf because her needs will never be our needs and our needs will never be her needs personally. So to think to think that you could think like a man <laughs> and act like a woman or to think that I could think like a woman and act like a man is foolish. You can't, I could understand your tendencies, but eventually I'm going to revert back to who I am innately. The people mm-hmm. who, who believe mm-hmm. I've, I've come across some literature from scientists who believe that human beings are not naturally monogamous, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't just put that on the male part of the species. They say human beings are not naturally monogamous. So women see attractive men all the time that they want to be with. Mm-hmm. Men see attractive women all the time that they want to be with. So when it comes to the empathy, but also the character of a man, mm-hmm. basically this is the type of man who's saying, I know that my wife is attracted to other men. I'm attracted to other women, but I can go out there and get them and she can't. What does it say about the character of a man that he would know that desire is on both sides, but he would say that it's okay for him to do it and it's not okay for her? 
because he understands the type of people we are. You know, a child cries. They I don't I don't want to oversimplify this. A child falls, mm-hmm. they cry. Like, ah, like, get up. You're all right. To them, the world ended. Okay. But to us, we understand. It's like, you don't stand and you're like, oh my goodness, my child is so hurt. Mm-hmm. You say the child fell and hit the floor. Now, while relationships are on a higher level, mm-hmm. unless you feel men and women are equal, which I am not of that opinion. You don't think I men and women are equal? We all have our distinctive roles. Okay. We all have our distinctive roles. Yeah. And so if I try to equate your role with my role and think I can empathize with it, I'm only fooling myself. A woman's desire is to a man. She wants to, to be loved. Mm-hmm. She wants to be loved. She she has a a, a blueprint within her, um, a genetic identity that stops and says this is what she will resort to when she wants things to work in a certain manner. The same thing for a man. And so to sit down and say, listen, I'd be foolish to sit down and say, oh, yeah, my wife, she just looks at only me and she only has eyes for me. Yeah. She only loves me. Loving, I don't believe every time a woman sees an attractive man, she falls in love with him. I think she goes, oh, that's an attractive man. What about vice versa? The same, the same way where a man could look at a woman and go, oh, that's an attractive woman. Yeah. She's married. Oh, I don't need to be looking at her. It's the same type of thing. Now I understand she's off limits. I don't go, oh, that's an attractive woman. She's married, but oh my goodness, I need to find out how to marry her. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen like that. So in the empathy department, I just personally don't believe that a man can ever empathize. He may believe that he's empathizing with her, but he can't. And what about in the character department? He's saying both of us have desires for people of the opposite sex, but somehow I'm going to ter- determine for a person of another gender what is acceptable for them. And limit that, what, whereas I'm going to allow myself to do what I want. Well, that's a conversation that I stopped and said. It depends on your moral, um, your moral um, code, if you will. Mm-hmm. That the, in one instance, in the scenario you presented, the man is determining what morality is. Yeah. When in the instance I'm presenting, I'm like, no, the Holy Scriptures, God has stated this is what the morality aspect is and that, Hey, listen, I've, I truly believe there are, and I started with this in the beginning. There are some people, their thing, like we're, we're heightened on what we want, heightened level of awareness Mm -hmm. on what we want and what turns us on and what we gravitate to. Right. And then there's some people they're like, Hey, listen, you know, just this right here, this is good. I'm good with my space. I'm good with everything around us. And it makes me happy. And so I say for us, we have to find out what makes us happy, what characteristics are in the person that's across from us that we want to bring into our lives and understand that from there, that's how we'll be able to build.
Okay, so thank you so much, by the way, mm-hmm. for answering these questions. Right. These are just questions that have come to my mind right. uh, when recently realizing that some people actually think it's normal to observe or to be a part of a polygamous environment or relationship or family. So, you know, you can imagine, and you, you live in the society as well. So you can imagine coming from a context of monogamy and approaching this. So this is what leads to question number 14. Okay. If a man can't stick to one wife or three wives or a hundred wives, what prevents him from having an unlimited number? Well, what is his goal? When you when you when you marry his goal might be to get his wiggle on. Well, that's not polygyny. Okay. So while I don't believe that there is a limitation to how many women you could take on, at a certain point you have to be practical with yourself. Okay. And you know, at at a certain point, if you're not going to love a woman and plan to love a woman and plan to bring her happiness then all you have done is disrupted somebody's life. Mm. And that's not right. And so, you know. So if a man lacks self-control, basically, are you are you actually saying that if a man lacks self-control, then polygyny is not for him? Absolutely. I'm saying if a man lacks self-control, marriage is not for him. Mm. Monogamy, polygyny, or otherwise. You have to have a certain level of self-control certain level of maturity. That's why I said when you decide to get into a relationship, what does a relationship mean to you? Because if you stop and you apply the aspects of a relationship, you'll know. I'm not, I'm looking to get my use your words. I'm looking to get my wiggle on. You sit down and be like I borrowed oh, that from my big little brother, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, but I'm gonna have a conversation with her about her life. You know, what she expects from me, what she expects out of this relationship, how long she expects it to last. Well, listen, most men, if they really like just trying to like mm-hmm. wiggle and go, mm-hmm. they ain't getting into all of that. They're like, hey, listen, can we make this happen? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I stop and I say that unlimited number, you wouldn't, man. I'm not, I'm not going to say men don't do it because I can't speak for all men on this aspect, but like, oh, yeah, um, I plan to have 45 wives. I think 45 is a nice round number. Like, listen, stop it. <laughs> You're like, if you plan to love somebody, somebody plans to love you, then sure, it can work. But if you don't, then that's wrong. So what would what would prevent a man from taking an unlimited number yeah hopefully righteousness Mm. the fact that you wouldn't want to hurt that's the empathy we were just talking about right you wouldn't want to hurt a woman and disrupt her life so much that she would hate you or despise the fact that you interrupted everything that she wanted for herself because she's seen that in you Mm -hmm. and so a lot of men need to understand that aspect that when you communicate and when you're truthful, at least a woman could say the man was honest with me and I was allowed to make a decision about what I wanted to do. Okay, so for all the single ladies out there, I sound like a quiet storm person, for all the single ladies. But for all the single ladies out there listening, um, it sounds like if you can actually put your mind in a position to equate 
to, to think that polygamy can be in the same boat as the word righteousness. If you even have that as a starting point, then it sounds like what Moray is saying is if you're interested in that kind of relationship, look for righteousness, look for a righteous character. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, and that will hopefully uh, solve a lot of issues before they even come up. Um, mm -hmm. But let's get specific uh, about some uh, things that are important in terms of the way that polygyny is carried out. This is question mm -hmm. number um, 15. If you have several wives who have kids around the same time, which of course is very possible, you have mm -hmm. several wives and they are giving birth to children around the same time, how do you care for multiple families and or households? And I say that because we have to remember that wives stop working when they're responsible for newborns. So these wives' income, some of them leave their jobs, but even temporarily, um, their their income isn't coming in. So of course that falls on this one man and all of these women and all of these children. So if you have several wives who have kids around the same time, how do you care for multiple families and multiple households? Okay, so some people plan, some people don't. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're like, okay, this is when I'm gonna have a child. And if you do that, part of that should be part of saving understanding you're going to be out of work creating a nest egg so to speak in a proverbial sense where you have this money that would cover for the period that the woman is not working provided she works at all because mm -hmm. some women never work outside of the home yeah. that is right because inside the home is 24 7 correct now there's also residual income mm -hmm. so i stop and i say you know sometimes we have this conversation but there are some people who actually have money already. Yeah. You know, we come passive streams point. of income, different things like that. Right. Okay. And some, some people actually already well off. Yeah. What they came into. So we're talking about somebody who's not necessarily well off. Mm -hmm. And so I stop and I say, it's, it's all about planning. It's all about understanding what you can do. And sometimes it's, there's an adjustment because a man can lose his job at any time. True. And if he loses his job, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You're going to find a way. The idea in any marriage, any relationship, any time that you plan on having children is to put yourself in the best possible position. Of course. And so the idea is that if you're going to, if you understand that you're going to have a child and a woman was part of supporting the family, you know, this is 2019. Now you got disability insurance just for such an occasion. Um, you can start to save money however you do. You can work a second job, but you want to make sure that you cover that period so that while you're out, there's not an, there's not a fall off of that period. As opposed to now, you know, I just got finished watching the Yahweh Ben Yahweh documentary. Oh, so you watched it too? Yeah, I did. Oh my, I, I was going to, yeah, I was, oh my gosh. So. He had, Ooh. you know, what, what mm. we have termed as welfare pimps. Mm. So it said they were stealing, you know, thousands of dollars in public funds yeah. because the, the father was there, yeah. wasn't working, and they were collecting child support. I mean, not child support. They were collecting welfare. Yeah. And the and men the father, were living in a different room so that when the people right. came by, they wouldn't see the men. Right. But the father was right there. And so, um, you know, not that I'm against welfare. But there's, there is a space for welfare. What we have to do is be responsible adults. If you're going to live a polygynous lifestyle, understand that there's a certain amount of sacrifice. Yeah. And within that sacrifice, I point to the Holy Scriptures with Jacob. Jacob understood he, was, he had four wives. 
he was taking care of his uncle's flock Mm -hmm. and he was taking care of his own flock. Yeah. And obviously to take care of two different flocks and they were three days apart from each other, there was a certain amount of sacrifice that his wives had to understand and that he had to understand of him working hard in order for him to eventually establish his own which he got to. And so what I'm saying is that when you have situations like this in polygyny, as long as there's an end to this, not that this is your normal way of life, but there's an end to this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, listen, I'm working hard right now, but we will get to a point where we're good. And then it'll work out for everybody. Okay. All right. So question number 17. Um, I'm sorry. Question number 16. Mm-hmm. How do wives get child and spousal support? If the relationship breaks down and the marriage was not recognized by the state, we know that if it's with polygamy or polygyny, most of those marriages won't be recognized by the state because that's illegal, at least here in the state of New York. So how do they get child and spousal support if that relationship breaks down? Okay, so one, child and spousal support, when you have to go to court, is based on the fact that somebody did not want to pay what they felt they were worth. And so I'll go back to that communication that we started in the beginning. Okay. Sometimes marriages don't work. Divorce is um, an option that the most high God gave us. So he understood that there's sometimes we would get with people and that things would happen. Um, you should be able to sit down and talk about it. Wait a second. Uh, you're talking about divorce, and this is just to say, for the purpose of the listener, mm-hmm. you identify as a Hebrew Israelite. Correct. So, therefore, what you when you say the scripture, you're talking about what Christians would call the Old Testament. Correct. Because in the New Testament, of course, well, even the Old Testament says God hate, God hates divorce. Right. But in the New Testament, um, there's only one excuse for the divorce, and that's um, that's uh, unfaithfulness. Um, uh, but in the Old Testament, that's what you're referring to when you say um, that, you know, there is a place for divorce. Right. Provisions. That's okay. the word I wanted to use. Um, so I stop and I say, you should be able to sit down and talk about it. And it should be fair and it should be reasonable. Um, and that in the absence of the man wanting to do the right thing, then there should be some type of mediation or in in the essence of where the man doesn't want to pay anything. Yeah. You need to be taken to court. You need, somebody needs to garnish or pay for that. But what, uh, but what kind of recourse would a woman have? She's not legally married according to the state. And how is she even bringing him to court? So of course I keep talking about this Hebrew Israelite thing. There should be some form of judgment system that we all have. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not a nation unless you have rules just doesn't work out like that. Yeah. So that um, if you're not recognized by the state and he's just a bum, that, that is a form of... Or he's vindictive or whatever the reason happens then to be. That, then that recourse is appropriate. And I don't have a... I have no two ways about stating that to men. You made a child. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility to that child. You have a lifetime responsibility to that child. And it's more than just money. Mm-hmm. I said, however... In the monetary aspect, she deserves something. Um, so I she do. should take him to court for the child support, although the spousal if, support would, would probably wouldn't be granted because well, the court wouldn't see her as a spouse. So, you know, I tell you, this, there's so many layers to this <laughs> because we would have to have a discussion about what spousal support is mm-hmm. and what 
either one of them are entitled to because spousal support shouldn't just go one way, right? So you can have a situation where she comes in with more than he has Mm -hmm. and he may want um, custody of the child. That seems to go against the male ego you talked about recently. So I'm surprised whenever men ask for that in the first place. It actually goes into It seems like male ego, the male ego discussion is when it's convenient. That's that's, (laughs) that's control. no ego. That's control. (laughs) Give me my child, pay me to take care of my child and all of that because (laughs) this this is my child. I made this child, Mm -mm -mm. right? But we're not going to get into that. My point is, is that, you know, when you speak of spousal support, yeah. when you speak of child support, that's based on, you know, who's making more money, who has custody of the child, who deserves custody of the child, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what I find funny is that's when I see where women want to be. It's like, oh, this is my child. I nurture this child. I held the child for nine months and all that other stuff. Where... In my opinion, it can swing either way. Yeah. However, I never think just because a man and a woman are splitting up, mm-hmm. I never think that you should get to a point where you start talking about an unfit parent. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, that's where the conversation goes. Yeah. Who's more capable of raising this child where it took two of y'all at first to do this, and it really took more than two. Mm-hmm. It took the village. Excuse me. It took the village. Mm-hmm. But. That's what you're dealing with. So um, that's a it's a tough question. I would say to to answer it clearly, there are there's no definitive answer to that. Each situation would have to be looked at separately. But there's something should be given to one of the parents of whoever is taking care of the child and. You know, I don't, I don't believe in what you came in, you should leave out with. <laughs> because sometimes you, you take somebody out of the lifestyle they were living, yeah. and now you're forcing them to adjust again. Mm-hmm. So I get the idea of spousal support, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that you would you should have to take care of them for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah, That there may be a period that you're like, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, she gets to stay there until she can get herself on her feet and all those other things. But, you know, you got some people that's like, she moved on, she married on, and all that other stuff. And it's like, all right, (laughs) what are we doing here right now? I understand that this is one system. You know, there's there's different ways where compensation can be given for either of the parties. It's just that in us redeveloping ourselves as a nation, we have to find out, what would be appropriate in that instance. All right. So um, you mentioned scripture already. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about what is really going on in this Bible. So about that Torah, Tanakh, or Bible, mm-hmm. question number 17, why do some law observers, in other words, Old Testament Hebrew Israelites, for an example. For an example. (laughs) Why do some law observers have polygamous lifestyles when polygamy isn't part of God's law? It's not. There's no, is there a a commandment to say, thou shalt be polygamous? Oh, okay. I get it. I needed you to clarify. Because, Because a lot of law observers talk a lot about commandments and laws, commandments and laws. But for some reason, when it comes to this, when there is no commandment toward this, Okay. Then people want to do polygamy. 
So what I'm going to say is, one, there are certain things that are inferred. You know, God doesn't command us to get married, but we understand that marriage is the natural course of two people getting together mm -hmm. and building a family. So I say that because you have a lot of people who are into polygyny and they do it for whatever reasons that they have. I'm not going to try and speak for the male species <laughs> at this point. But what I'm going to say is that, you know, they do it while they do it. As far as it being a commandment, you don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can very much live a monogamous lifestyle as a man and it'd be okay. And if you decide to live a polygynous lifestyle, that's okay too. Um, I think the Bible that, says that's okay. Well, it's inferred. So okay. there is, they have a, the laws. If, if a man have two wives and one is loved and the other is hated. Right. So it's inferred that he has already taken two wives. You can find that in the book of Deuteronomy, um, somewhere in the twenties, I believe the 22nd chapter don't quote me on a chapter, but it is in the book of Deuteronomy and somewhere in the twenties. Let me just, let me just do a parenthetical thing because mm. there are a lot of things that the Bible says, if somebody does this, then that. Mm. And so if the justification for polygamy or polygyny is that the Bible says, if a man has two wives, then X, Y, Z, then the, um, then the Bible also says if a man kills somebody, Mm. Then he can go to, you know, a city over there. Or if a man, um, if a man is, is, has a daughter, then he is not allowed to sleep with her. So there are a lot of ifs, thens in the Bible, but it doesn't necessarily mean those things should happen. That's correct. I, I totally agree with it. However, we do understand that there's the possibility of it happening. And when the possibility presents itself, then this is how you should deal with it. So if he happens to have two wives and you know, some people take the approach, they're like, Oh, why do you have only one wife? And that's wrong in itself. And you'd be surprised on what's going on out there. And that's somebody pushing an agenda mm -hmm. because they want everybody to have more than one wife so that things would be easier for themselves, which really would not allow which would really take all the women for some men. <laughs> It's only we're only fifty one percent of population. We're not seventy five, like I mentioned earlier. Possibly, <laughs> possibly, but I keep stating everybody ain't for everybody. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, yeah. right? So I stop and I say, listen, if that's what he decides to do, and that's what they're for, then that's why you're going to see people do it. I would, I'll even concede in this conversation. You have some people who are pushing the agenda of men having four and five wives and push. And that's what I did when I came into knowledge of who I am pushed and stopped and said, Oh, you know, a, a highlight of serving this God is that you're allowed to have more than one wife mm -hmm. where that shouldn't be the reason why you decide to serve God. <laughs> yeah. But that's what people do. So, as far as what's there and what people try to do and why people decide to do things the way they decide to do things. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for everybody, but the provision is there. They are allowed to do it. Um, and if that's what they decide to do and that's where, you know, their life leads them and that's how they decide to build their family, then it's fine. We even see there's one law where it says if a man has a brother and his brother's married and, and he dies, he dies mm -hmm. and 
they have no children, his brother has no children. Let me not say they, the brother has no children. Mm -hmm. Then he's supposed to take that brother's wife. (laughs) Right now. It could be said he might be single, (laughs) right? Before he takes the wife, doesn't mean he's taking on another wife. He might be single, but what if he's already married? Then she's coming into polygyny. And what if she doesn't want to come into polygyny? What if they had a monogamous relationship? Or what if he looks like a bag of elbows (laughs) and she has no desire for him? The bag of elbows looking like who did it, right? (laughs) When that happens, you're like, wait a second. I'm supposed to let him raise up a child for his brother. But the Bible is silent on that issue. Mm -hmm. It gives a provision if the man doesn't want to take her. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't talk about the provision if the woman doesn't want to go with the brother. Interesting. And so I don't want to jump all the way over yeah. there. But in the essence of a man having more than one wife, mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second. I thought I was in a monogamous relationship. Me and his brother agreed to that. And that's what it was. And now am I being forced mm. into polygyny? Mm. And so it's worth the conversation. Yeah. Well, let's move on to question <laughs> to question like, number I eighteen. Talk about that no more, because <laughs> that's that's something. That's something. But question number eighteen, Genesis two twenty four. Okay. Genesis chapter two verse twenty four mentions a man and his a man and his wife becoming one flesh. Uh-huh. Emphasis on the word one. Uh-huh. How is it biblical or even mathematical to try and become one flesh with several women? Okay, so we're going to have to admit to ourselves, one, that the term one flesh is proverbial. It's not literal or metaphoric. I shouldn't say proverbial. It's metaphoric Mm -hmm. as opposed to literal. They don't become one. They don't join and things of that nature. It's saying that they go to become a family, not that they're going to be um in a monogamous relationship so the word one there is also metaphorical from your perspective or from your understanding the the word one is in reference to family so they were two separate families before now they become one family Mm -hmm. so everybody in a polygynous relationship is under the umbrella of the man they all become that man's family and those women begin to have children for his inheritance that will continue to build up his name. They take on his name. 224, it just, that's the thing is that Genesis 224 doesn't mention that. And, you know, some people believe in what we call or the law of first mention. So that's the example for the balance of scripture. And so uh, there's nothing there until I think Lamech or somebody like that. Yeah, Lamech. That's correct. Lamech. um, uh, About it. And so how, again, how is one flesh... Even even if even if we're not talking about mm-hmm. okay, we're not dealing with flesh being physical flesh being attached, and this is this is metaphoric. Mm-hmm. Um, still, how can this man and his wife become one flesh and then become one flesh again and again with a bunch of other women? Well, here's the how thing. is that one? You're saying it's metaphoric in one sense. No, you said it's metaphoric. I'm saying it's metaphoric <laughs> in one sense. Yeah, but in the next sense, it's literal. It's one, the flesh part is metaphoric. That's okay. Okay. But the one part, that's literal. You can't have it both ways. I'm not saying you personally, mm-hmm. but I'm saying when we read scripture, mm-hmm. we have to understand the intent of the author. Yeah. Now, 
if we're looking at it from a monogamous view, then yes, there was Adam and then there was Eve and they became one flesh, right? And yes, so because that's how meant, two people could do it. So, two people so, can become one. But we're talking about not that they became one person, but that they became married because mm-hmm. that's what we insert in our mind. Oh, they, they got together, they were married, and now they're going to live lives as one. And now if, if I did this the one time, I can't do it again. I'm saying, in my opinion, okay. that when they gave that term of one flesh, when a man, uh, when a woman, well, I don't want to mess up the quote, but what I'm saying is yeah. when that person leaves and they go to be together, they go to become a family. That's what the term was identifying and that just because another person comes in along the way, that doesn't stop them from being family. Mm. That doesn't stop them from being that quote unquote one flesh. Just another person was introduced into the equation. Okay. So we're going to come back uh, for our last segment and get into some other issues regarding scripture. Beneath the surface, listeners, thank you if you have made it this far. Mm -hmm. And here we are, question number 19. Since the Bible doesn't... Are you ready for this, Moray? I don't know if you're ready for this one. Question number 19 or question number 119? I think we've been doing this for a minute. Okay. (laughs) It's a good conversation. I'm ready for this. So ready for... Okay, Moray, now. Since the Bible doesn't prohibit polygamy Mm -hmm. or polygyny... Okay. What's wrong with engaging in other things the Bible also doesn't prohibit, such as slavery and statutory rape? Okay, so I think that the Bible actually does address those issues concerning slavery, concerning um, statutory rape. We just don't see it um, written out as statutory rape. So it was the ancient people using ancient terms and they also were using a different language. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're talking about polygyny. So the thing that I will tell you is, is that you will understand what's wrong according to the history of what was going on in the Bible. And you'll understand what's right according to the history of what's going on. So polygyny, you just referred to Lamech. You see that he had more than one wife. Um, we see Abraham, our father. And Lamech wasn't the nicest man, but go ahead. Correct. Abraham, our father, who was considered a prince and judge amongst foreigners, Mm -hmm. he had another wife, right? And then you had Jacob, who's the progenitor of all the Israelites. He had four wives. Through trickery, yeah. So, but... They they rolled with it. Wait a second. Who were Abraham's wives that he had more than one wife at the same time? Or yeah, so was that... he had Sarah mm-hmm. and then he had Hagar. Oh, yeah, because Sarah gave him Hagar when she right. couldn't reproduce. Okay. He eventually got rid of Hagar, but <laughs> yeah. he had two wives mm-hmm. nonetheless. Um, and so when we stop and we look at it, there's, there's bad, there's bad, there's good. I'm not going to sit down and try and paint a rosy picture of it all, but... My thing is, don't blame it on polygyny. Mm-hmm. You have to make your relationship work. So if you're in a monogamous relationship or in a polygynous relationship, it's your responsibility to make it work. And so while we look at the Bible and we look for specificity <laughs> on what is okay and what's not okay, I stop and say there's what's inferred. And just because it's inferred doesn't mean you have to do it. 
but it's rather so if you find yourself involved, this is how you'll deal with it. And the important, the important part to focus on is that are you getting into these relationships because you're looking for your personal happiness mm -hmm. and looking to spend a lifetime with somebody or do you have an ulterior motive or is the person that you're choosing have an ulterior motive? Easier said than done mm -hmm. because the fact is, is that we do have people out there with agendas based on what they feel that they want to get from a person. But mm. once you find that happiness, we know that's what God intended. Okay. So ultimately uh, the question sounds like there's, there's an issue with the, the question and the way it's stated. So the way I stated the question is, since the Bible doesn't prohibit polygamy, what's wrong with engaging in other things the Bible doesn't prohibit, such as slavery and statutory rape? And it sounds like you're saying there are certain aspects of slavery and statutory rape that the Bible actually does prohibit. Right. So slavery, it, it clearly states in the book of Exodus that this is how you should treat your manservant. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's that slavery that we're talking about. The Bible more so speaks to indentured servitude as opposed to chattel slavery yeah. that, you know, our people have suffered from. So as far as indentured servitude, um, the Bible speaks of it and they have laws that protect the servant. Like man stealing, I think, is against God's laws. Right. Not, if you yeah. kidnap somebody, mm. that's a death penalty for you. Mm. Said, however, you know, it tells you that if you beat your servant and he loses a, loses his eye, let him go for the sake of his eye. Mm -hmm. So the, at that point, it's like he goes free um, because of how you treated him. So there was a way that God wanted us to do things. And as far as statutory rape, um, you know, there's no such thing as having sex with children. Even though you may not see, oh, this is the acceptable age. Mm -hmm. We see examples where Judah and Tamar were together and well, not Judah and Tamar being together, but Judah was the father. Tamar was his daughter in law. Oh, yeah. And she he told her, he said, wait until my son Shayla be grown and then I'll give him to you for a husband. Mm -hmm. And so when we stop and we look at that, we understand it is inferred that. Hey, listen, we're not, even though you may mm. be entitled to marry this person, when he becomes grown, mm. that's when he'll be given to you. Interesting. And um, even in the story of Ruth, where she stops and she tells um, my daughter, she said, hey, listen, um, Naomi tells her two daughter-in-laws. Okay. Um, hey, listen, if I were to have children tomorrow, would you wait until they were grown mm -hmm. to marry them? So we know it's like, Anybody who stops and says, oh, yeah, they got married at 9, 10, 11, and 12, those mm -hmm. are people in their own distorted ways of thinking. Our, our people got married when they were adults. Okay. That's what the culture dictates, and that's what the scriptures show that that's what our forefathers did, as opposed to thou shalt get married <laughs> after the age of 20 years old. Okay. Mm. And question number 20. Finally, question number 20. This is a little controversial, sure? but I'm going to put it out here anyway. Hey, did you just say controversial? What can a polygamous husband do okay. if his wives can't get along? Oh, man. Because earlier, part of the reason this comes up is earlier, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the questions were about what women can do in these situations. But the man can be trapped, can be trapped into or painted into a corner as well. Sure. So what can he do if he has a bunch of wives who can't get along? Um, 
very rare time where I will tell you easier asked than answered. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you. So I gave you the example of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Yeah. And Sarah and Hagar couldn't get along. Mm -hmm. And Hagar was a younger woman who eventually didn't like, you know, Sarah once she became pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, that's a human side of things. People start, you know, becoming jealous and people start thinking they're better than other people because, because of, of what's going on. facts that have nothing to do with them, yeah. Correct. <laughs> and so, you know, in that instance, Abraham didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Talk about this. He was the most blessed man on the planet. He didn't know what to do about those two. And God told him, he said, listen, listen to your wife because she's going to be the one that seed goes through. That your inheritance will go through. And so he sent her, he sent Hagar away. Um, am I saying if your women don't get along, <laughs> send one of them away? No. But I will continue with the theme that I've been saying throughout all the segments. It's time to sit down and communicate. Sometimes it's like, hey, listen, if y'all can't get along, maybe y'all just don't need to be interacting with one another like mm-hmm. that. And if it's going to be a thing, see, you know, polygyny needs has to have a certain amount of maturity. Yeah. And within that, it's like, all right, but hey, listen, sometimes with personalities clash and it ain't because the man is there. They might actually, if they weren't married to the same man, they actually might just not like each other. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And so we see that in friendships, right? Sometimes there could be three people, you know, one person like one person and the other person like another person. Yeah. He said, but the other two, don't get along and it's like I like hanging out with you but I don't like hanging out with her and so they understand that you know there's only certain times they can come together I'm of the opinion that you should always try to salvage your marriage Mm -hmm. no matter what's going on and because two people don't get along and you're involved in polygyny (laughs) this may sound a little bit uh, crude but Mm -hmm. I'm like Y'all ain't got to talk to each other. Y'all don't got to have a long standing, hey girl, what's going on and all of that. You don't need to do that. I mean, it seems it's like preferred. it would make, yeah. I mean, especially if they live under the same roof, you know, but, for the women who want to be in marriages where they're in the same roof with, uh, you know, their husband's affection toward another woman. If they want to be in that situation, then I think they should get along. They're using the same kitchen. They should try to, but family members don't get along. It happens. And they stay under the same roof. Right. So, you know, my only thing is, it's like, you have to know what you want to do for you. But um, it shouldn't be a point, I will say this, it shouldn't be a point where it tears you all apart. Mm. And so when people have problems, there's sometimes where we're trying to understand how to resolve a situation. And if the person is not helping the situation, then... There's time where the man, as the leader of the household, there goes those roles again. Mm -hmm. He needs to make a decision on what has to happen. And um, I I can't tell you, again, easier asked than answered, but the righteous conclusion should come from the situation. Wow. Now this talk... (laughs) (laughs) interesting this talk has been enlightening right actually encouraging in some ways Mm -hmm. 
but mostly enlightening for me, Murray. How about you? Uh, very enlightening. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit more from you. What? About what? I, polygyny. Well, you know. What your views are, how you see it working. I understand that we're at the end of the episode, yeah. but give us a brief, at least a brief. You know, wow. a little okay. bit something about what you think about it. Well, one thing I can say on the positive side is, in terms of nation building, mm-hmm. um, I agree with that the that the point should be building families. Okay. You know, I'm single, but even though I'm single, having a whole bunch of single people running around does not build nations. Okay. Um, and so, having family and family building and children seeing and knowing their fathers and mothers is critical. So I agree with that part, and mm-hmm. that that is actually more important than the family type. Okay. Right. Um, you know, the, the second, of course, I'm not used to anything related to um, polygamy or polygyny. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I asked about women having multiple husbands, you know, I don't. That's not a personal desire, and that's not a personal desire of most women that I know. Okay. I think the the main issue is. Uh, what you know? What type of man would be like? I could have this, and you can't, and it's all good. To me, I question a man like that, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I you know, it's like Disparate what kind of treatment? Yeah, okay. and, and and like what and how will that extend into other aspects of our lives? You know, where it's like I could do, you can't, and that's all there is to it. You know, mm-hmm. so so yeah, so it, it's still polygamy and polygyny is still a bit strange to me. This is new, the just the idea of people. Um, have a desiring this but on the other hand as a single woman who likes to travel I'm going to be in Milan for half of or I'm going to be in Italy for half of oh, May she's rubbing it in um, no, no, no. you know as, as a person <laughs> as a person who lives her life who right. likes to travel who likes to do different things mm. you know if I were interested in polygamy or polygyny mm. it would seems like it would work out pretty well because because it seems like the freedom that I've been used to right um, depending on the person of course it would be a good balance you know okay. if, if that's if polygyny were something I, I believed in mm-hmm. because I'd have the benefit of my husband and children especially if my husband is the type who believes that he's part of raising children as well and okay. i wouldn't marry someone otherwise absentee then, husband yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know so my point is that he would be doing a good part of okay. just like i would be doing a good part so mm-hmm. so there are a lot of different thoughts coming into my mind without okay. making a long speech um but it's definitely enlightening well so, did you feel that it answered a lot of questions oh yeah you answered every single one of the questions and honestly i thought that some of these questions that i these are questions that came to my mind but i thought some of them might have been questions that there wasn't a answer to that i would consider appropriate or okay. or that i would believe what that i would uh trust as as something that actually did focus on the the point of the question but you answered every single one of these questions um in a way that you know that was really um something that i could actually process and so i appreciate that i you've been in your way of life for a long time so i do not doubt that you've heard these questions before um Mm -hmm. but i was happy with you know the way that you expressed your worldview Gotcha. So, listeners, we hope you've been able to grab some practical steps toward your part in making our making our nation thrive, whether it is building families in of one type or uh, building families of another. Uh-huh. I know that we have, uh, Moray, what's an example of what we can do about what we've learned in this episode? Is there any takeaway here? Sure. The takeaway should be, of course, in my theme, 
communication and knowing what you want. Mm. Because knowing what you want will let a lot of these things will alleviate will alleviate a lot of the problems that we have. Mm-hmm. So if you take the time to actually look at your inner self, look at how you feel God made you, what you like and what you don't like, and make a determination on the type of mate you want and what you expect out of your mate, then we could actually build, grow, and it could be true nation building mm-hmm. because you'll know the place where you fall in the nation building process Mm. well men women out there let's do exactly that actions speak louder than words listeners please remember to click the subscribe button so that you'll know about new episodes and tell your people about beneath the surface so that they can benefit as well Mm. well we're really thankful that you've joined us family and until next time keep up the good work it's nation time never ever forget peace